again this morning. Bless you visitors that are here. Good to see some other faces. Um, let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day, for this time that we can gather together with other believers, Lord, and just look into your word. Pray, Father, that you would speak through me, that uh, there might be something here from what I'm sharing, Father, that would bless someone or, or encourage them. Father, pray that you would just open your word up to each one of us, just to see what you have in it, help us to apply it to our lives. Let's pray, Father, for your blessing on the remainder of the service. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, I would like to look at a little bit at the word rain. There's a few verses that talk about um, our God raining. And the reason that kind of comes to mind, um, it's been probably a month or more ago, I kind of forget when I saw it, but I had seen a, I don't know what you call it, it was a little, like a, it was a picture text, but it, what it said was, uh, it said at the top, our God reigns, and then down below it said, it had five points, um, it said before it all, in spite of it all, above it all, in the midst of it all, and at the end of it all, and then at the bottom again it said our God reigns. And I thought about that for quite a while, and I was thinking, you know, that's really interesting. So I went through and uh, through the Bible, and I brought up different um, stories or instances in the Bible that went with each one of those points. And so that's kind of what I'd like to share this morning. Um, then at the end, I have a few questions, maybe that we can ask ourselves to make it a little more personal. Um, but reign means to rule. And if you think of a king or his kingdom, it's kind of like what, uh, what the king says goes. Um, he's the one reigning. He's the one in authority. And if he's reigning over his kingdom, he is exercising um, his power over the people there. Sometimes that can be a bad thing or done in a bad way. Um, you can think of plenty of evil kings in the Bible and even even, even evil rulers um, in more modern times. But uh, to reign over something doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, thinking of our God reigning, um, that's a good thing, a positive thing for us. It's actually... Um, probably one of the most important aspects of our Christianity is that God is reigning. He's sitting on the throne. If he weren't, um, all of what we believe in would would not have, uh, I don't know, the authority that it does or the, the power that it does. So if our God is reigning... Uh, or if some, maybe I should say it this way, if something or someone is reigning, they are having authority over us or their subject. Um, 
That means there's a person in the position of authority and a person in the position of submitting to that authority. So if God is reigning, are we submitting to his authority? God reigns over all things, everywhere and at all times. Um, Revelation 19, there's a verse, the end of the verse that says, uh, just read the whole verse. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of the mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. So, as I was thinking and kind of preparing for this, I was thinking about, you know, everybody here is kind of at a different place. I don't know, some of you may be discouraged or struggling with something. Uh, Maybe neither of those, you just can see on the horizon something big that you're facing. Um, Or maybe you're encouraged and rejoicing this morning. Either way, we can all find... A hope or I don't know a joy that to know that God is in control that God is reigning um, I just reminded Earl just reminded me that uh, I got a text this morning from someone <laughs> and um, I think it was one of the verses I thought about bringing out this morning but I didn't Put it in my notes then. Maybe I'll just read it quick here. I was kind of encouraged by this. Um, because it was exactly what I was looking at sharing about. Isaiah 52 Um, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, and publish peace that bringeth good tidings of good, that publish salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. I guess that's what I want to do this morning, is say that God reigns to all of you here at Zion. I, uh, I just thought it was kind of amusing as I was, just before I was getting ready to leave, or I was getting prepared to come. I got that text. So it's an encouragement. Um, I might have a marker that works. I might just put my points here on the board. So first we're going to look at before it all. Before it all, we have, uh, obviously in Genesis, if we go back there to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form, void, darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Before there was anything, there was God. The I Am, as he says to Moses... 
he reigned over this world before there was even a world. I'm not quite sure. It's sort of hard for us to wrap our minds around none of this being here and, and what it would be actually like. But the fact that he can say that he was there before the world was and that he created it gives him all authority now in this present time over all that is in the world. There's nothing happening today that is outside of his reign. And that's something we can take courage in. I think the last time I shared, I talked about, and I went down a list of, I don't know how you describe it, all the bad things going on or all the discouraging things you might hear about going on in the world today. Since then, I'm guessing that list has probably gotten a lot longer. Um, However, nothing today, nothing happening today is outside of his control, is outside of his reign. I'm going to jump to the second one there, in spite of it all. Some of these points might take a little longer than others as we go through them. But we're going to go to Genesis uh, 39. Look at the life of Joseph. I'm sure we all know this story pretty well. Genesis 39, verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. That phrase you'll find, I think, four times, five times throughout throughout this time of Joseph's life. I I don't remember exactly. I wrote some of the references down for where they were, but I can't remember if it was four or five times. And the Lord was with Joseph. And I had to think about it. I wondered, as Joseph was going through that... um, Think of a couple things in his life, maybe where he was having those dreams and his brothers were mocking him. Um, I wonder if he felt like the Lord was with him. How about when his brothers threw him in the pit and he was there probably wondering what's going to happen. And I wonder if he thought that the Lord was with him. I also wondered when he got sold the uh, slavery ended up there at Potiphar's house, and things were going well for him if he thought about the Lord being with him. And again, when Potiphar's wife accused him of evil, something that is clear by his reaction that was the furthest thing from his mind, I wonder if he thought about it, that the Lord is with him. Anyway, as we go through that, the as you go through the whole story of Joseph, um, And you see that phrase pop up in verse 2, verse 21 again. But the Lord is with Joseph and showed him mercy, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. You see in Joseph's life, you see this, uh, I don't know, 
rise and fall. You know, things are going awful down here, and then he's head in Potiphar's house, and the next thing you know, he's in prison, and all of a sudden he's head of the prison now. And then when he shares with, uh, I don't know if you quite consider this another rise exactly, but there was probably hope in Joseph's heart when the butler, I think it was, when he got out of prison, you know, he, he told what the, the meaning of the dreams were. When the butler got out of prison, there was probably hope in Joseph's heart that he might get out too. But he was forgotten again, and so you find another low point. I wonder if he thought about it, that the, Lord, uh, that the Lord was with him. We have the advantage of looking at this story, the span of however many years it was, and just a few pages, and we can kind of see it's obvious God had a plan, and God was working on Joseph in order to bring him to a place where he could use him. So in spite of all that was happening in Joseph's life, we can see that God was reigning. God was in control. Then uh, jump ahead to chapter 41. So at this point he's brought out of prison and he's... uh, He's interpreting Pharaoh's dreams there. I didn't write this down, but I think... Yeah. Verse 16, chapter 41. Joseph answers Pharaoh and he says, It's not in me to tell you what your dreams are. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And so he goes on and tells the dream there. And... uh, Verses 38 and 39. After having heard all of that, Pharaoh says, who can we, who can we uh, get to be in charge and to collect the grain and to do all that? And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all of this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. I wonder if when Joseph was sitting there, I'm sure he didn't, I should, I should say it differently, I'm sure that when Joseph was sitting there in the pit, when his, or his brothers threw him, that he was sitting there, he was not thinking that he would shortly be second in command of all of Egypt. I don't know how many years passed by there, but it's just amazing God's, uh, the way God works here and things like this. In spite of all that Joseph went through, God was in control. God was reigning. Okay, number three, above it all. I'm going to go to Daniel. This one's a little bit harder to follow um, because it jumps back and forth between Daniel writing and the vision and I'm not quite sure. Daniel 
how best to express this, but hopefully you can follow. Daniel chapter 10. So when I thought of that, God reigns above it all, um, I was thinking, you know, like location or whatever. You know, he's over all of, watching over all that's going on or all that's happening. And uh, my wife and I were discussing this a little bit, and she, she actually thought of this one, so whatever that's worth. Um, this passage here, chapter 10, uh, verse 7. Um, I'm going to read through the whole thing, but I'll just maybe lay it out here first. You get a, a picture of, of a... Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Principalities and powers fighting with um, God's messenger coming to Daniel. And... So the messenger is coming to encourage Daniel, but Satan is keeping him back. And then another, I think it's Michael, comes then and, uh, and helps the messenger get through to, to Daniel. Anyway, that's shared with Daniel here in this chapter. And so again, you get this picture of you know, the principalities and powers uh, is in a sense not necessarily part of this world, but yet it is. I don't know how you say that exactly. And so even above all of that, God still reigns. So Daniel chapter 10, and I, uh, chapter, chapter 10 verse 7. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision. But a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone, and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned in me unto corruption, and I retained no strength. I should back up. I'm sorry. I just realized I was missing the first couple of verses here. Um, just start at the beginning of chapter 10 and read through verse 13. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true. But the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. In essence, uh, he was there fasting and praying, it sounds like to me. The fact that he was abstaining from bread and wine and uh, not anointing himself. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me unto corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and 
When I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken his word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come... verse... Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Anyway, it's a little, like I said, it's a little bit difficult to understand there, but you have Daniel uh, appears to be fasting and praying for understanding from God as to what is going to happen to the children of Israel. And God sends a messenger who is withheld by the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which would, my understanding would be Satan or one of his uh, minions or whatever you call him, his people that works for him, um, were keeping the messenger from getting through to Daniel. But then Michael comes along and through Michael's help they apparently overcome or overpower. So all of that to say that there's things going on behind the scenes that we don't really see, but yet God is still reigning over all of that. This battle was going on, I don't know how you say it, in, in the heavenlies or wherever that was happening. Daniel didn't know anything about it. Yet... Um, He was mourning in three full weeks, it says, and later it says on the 20, yeah, three full weeks, and then the, I believe the messenger said, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood him 21 days. So God had sent a messenger on day one, is that the math work out? And Daniel knew nothing of it. Our God reigns above it all. All right, in the midst of it all. All right, let's go to the New Testament. Get something a little more recent. Uh, We have the disciples in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse uh, 23. 
And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And to think of, or I thought of this question, I wonder when the last time uh, one of us, or for you personally, when was the last time you were in a situation where it looked like the waves were just going to come crashing down on you? Imagine being in that little boat. I sort of can. (laughs) I experienced a few waves in May when we were camping. It's a little... Maybe not quite as big a waves, but definitely was a little bit um, uh, tempestuous, I guess, the sea was, the lake was. When was the last time, um, figuratively speaking though, when was the last time you were facing something that looked like the waves were going to come crashing down? I don't know what that may be or if you have something like that that comes to mind. Think of the disciples here in this boat. Jesus was right there with them the whole time. Um, trying to think what would have happened before this, how much time they would have been spending with him, but um, all they had to do was ask. They could have asked when the storm first came up. Instead, they tried to ride it out for a while on their own. I don't know if they uh, were fully aware of Jesus' power at that point to to calm the storm like that, but sometimes we are facing something and we, I don't know if we uh, process it completely or not, but it's like we act like um, like it's too big for God to help us with or, or something like that. Again, I doubt we, I doubt we verbalize that, but that's the, the uh, sense that we would have. Maybe you're there now. I don't know. Remember that Christ is reigning over all things. Even when you're in the midst of them. Even when you're in the midst of something that looks overwhelming. We can't see the whole picture, but God does. And this point is actually very similar to uh, to Joseph's there. Um, in spite of it all. You know, thinking about all the things you're going through, or you might be going through or facing... God is reigning. Just think about, uh, think about that next time you feel like your boat is going to be swamped by the waves. 
that God is able to calm the storm if we ask him. Remember that Jesus was there in the boat with them. So then this comes to my last one at the end of it all. Turn to Revelation. At the end of it all, we have uh, verse 13, 22 verse 13, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. It's, it's really that simple. We had earlier, God is the beginning. He was there before the world was. He created the world and he's the end. That alone should give us hope and joy. Um, just knowing that, that if he's the beginning and the end, he's always going to be there. At the end of it all, God is still reigning. Better yet than that, though, is that it also says we will reign with him. Uh, Revelation twenty-two, fourteen. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without, um, yeah, something wasn't right there. <laughs> Thank you. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Um, I was reading in the Bible app on my phone, and it it uh, had said they will reign forever with him. I believe is how it had said it there. Um, those other verses I did want, verses 14 and 15, there's many places we could have looked to make this point. Not everyone is going to reign with him. And verse 14 says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So we do have something we need to do on our part, even though God is in control and God is reigning. There are requirements of us in order to reign with him. I don't know about you, but it's a whole lot easier to face something Knowing that already, how do I say this? It's easier to jump in and do something knowing that you're going to win than not knowing. Does that make sense? So, if we do his commandments and we have the right to the tree of life, we can reign with him. Think of uh, you know other 
other religions or other groups that don't believe in, um, how do you say it, and having that ability to know if you're walking with God or not. And the, you know, they just got to hope that they're going to, they're going to make it or just hope that they're doing the right thing. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't have to hope. We, we can know God has given us his commandments, what we are supposed to follow. So the difference between the people in verse 14 and those in 15, I don't think I read all of 15. For without are dogs, sorcerers, whoremongers, and murderers, idolaters, and those who loveth and maketh a lie. I'm sorry. And whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Um, The difference between those people is one allowed God to reign in their lives personally, and the other didn't. I talked about at the beginning... um, someone who is reigning over someone else, so God reigning over us. He has authority over us, and he has commandments. And we are, so, <clears throat> we are supposed to submit to those and follow, follow those things. And that is, uh, how do you say, a, uh, a proof positive that, we're, that he is reigning over in our lives as if we are submitting to his commandments. His will for us or His commandments. Um, so we have the whole Bible. I picked out a handful of stories there. We talked about God's, or it was very easy to see God's uh, reigning over the situation. And despite all that, some people still choose not to allow God to reign in their lives. It's kind of a sad, uh, a sad tale. But something for us to ponder, do I let, I have a handful of questions here I wrote down thinking through this, even for myself, do I let God reign over my life in all areas? You know, sometimes there's things we're a little hesitant to give up or you know, why do I keep certain areas for myself? What, what's the reason that I do that? Is it fear of losing control? You know, if we take the story of Joseph, for example, and he would had no idea what he was going to be facing, do you think he would have, uh, do you think he would have seen the benefits if God only showed him the hard things he was going to face, like if he if he saw the pit, he saw the slavery, he saw the prison, um, do you think he would have still chosen that if God said, this is the lot I have for you? But God had something better in the end for him. So we don't, we don't always see that. And so out of fear of losing control or not knowing what's going to happen, sometimes we hold back certain areas of our life, certain things. Um, there's another verse, um, Colossians, I believe it is. It talks about not letting sin reign over. Don't let sin reign over your mortal bodies. I think it says. Maybe that's another reason why we have uh, not let God reign in all areas of our life is because we've allowed sin to reign. 
are we able to look at the tough situations we face and see that God is reigning? Can we, can we have that hope? Even in the midst of the hard things? So I've also uh, got another verse here in Revelation 19, verse 6. And I heard, as I think I read it at the beginning maybe too. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I think uh, it would probably do us well to keep that phrase in the back of our mind and as we're facing things, remember this to praise God. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I don't know, maybe we should say that all together. Can we do that? <clears throat> Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Yeah, I'll close with that. <clears throat>